Hey everyone, it's Copeland Bell, your historical housekeeper. Welcome to Polish and Scream, where I document the historic homes I clean and the strange things that happen in them. This podcast is for mature audiences only. No little ears should be listening. So get nice and cozy, and let me tell you a story. This is going to be a mini-episode. It's called Date Night. Stop fidgeting, Dakota said as she stood back to assess my outfit. Sorry, it's just so uncomfortable. I can't move in this. I'm not wearing it, I said with a whoosh, simultaneously unzipping the tight black dress she tried to loan me. I mean, you look great, but comfortable is more sexy than a little black dress. You do you, Dakota replied sagely. Thank you. I'm going with jeans and a nice shirt, I said from the bathroom as I threw on a new, much more comfortable outfit of jeans, navy v-neck sweater, and ballet flats. As I stepped out, Dakota eyed me and smiled. You look happy and relaxed. It's perfectly you. Except maybe a touch of concealer under the eyes. Are you still not sleeping well? Still with the dreams? I smiled at Dakota and waved away her comment. Dakota and I had been spending a lot more time together since our meet-cute at the library. We lived a stone's throw away from each other, and it was nothing for one of us to show up at the other's doorsteps with a few beers and snacks at the end of a long day. We'd also spent our free time doing some investigating into the little town we now called home. So far, we'd come up empty-handed, but Dakota thought that my date night with Diver might yield some interesting information. I told her that was not the purpose of the date, but I'd see what I could do. An hour later, I sat in a booth at Tulips, twisting the paper straw wrapper nervously in my hands. I saw a head of thick, dark hair step out of a massive white truck, and my stomach did a little flop. I was nervous and trying not to show it. Diver came around the corner of the restaurant and smiled warmly. There you are. Sorry I'm a few minutes late. Wow, you look amazing, he said as I stood up to greet him. We hugged awkwardly and sat back down with him sitting directly across from me. Thanks, you clean up pretty well too, I smiled, motioning towards his dark jeans and button-up black shirt. Ha, yeah, but you can't take the worker out of me, Diver said, motioning to his steel-toed boots. Well, naturally, those are a must, I replied dryly. I'm starving. Long day at the site. The Revival House is coming along nicely. You should really stop by and see it sometime. Maybe. I'd love to see how the furniture looks after the home is restored to its former glory. Although, I could do without the spooky feelings, I said with a laugh. Yeah, I gotta say, after you showed me that journal, I was a little leery too. The place hasn't given us too many issues, though. As the server approached, we both ordered cheeseburgers and fries, which made us laugh. Didn't we do this last time, too, I asked? Absolutely. Why do you think I asked you out on another date, he winked. For my sparkling wit, clearly. Now I've got to ask, how did you get the nickname Diver? You couldn't even wait until the food came out. I knew it. It's going to be anticlimactic now. He ran his fingers through his hair and gave me a crooked grin. My heart flipped like I was in seventh grade and Daniel Perkins had looked at me in the school lunch line. I'm sure it's a great story and you don't have to share. You know me, always curious, I said, as I took a swig of my freshly delivered beer. 
Nah, I promised you an explanation, and I'm a man of my word. My name, David, is a family name. It's my father and grandfather and great-grandfather's middle name. You get the idea. It's important to my family, which is why my grandmother continues to call me David. But my mom and dad gave up on that a long time ago. It's actually a nickname from summers spent on the lake. Our family owns a beautiful cabin there, and we spent most of our summers running from the water to the house as kids. I'm an only child, but there were so many families vacationing there, it always felt like I had at least 20 brothers and sisters. One night, we were sitting around the campfire telling stories, roasting marshmallows, and trying to scare the crap out of each other, honestly. Wait, how old were you? I asked, trying to picture a little diver in my head. I was nine or ten, a tall, lanky kid with a huge crush on Melanie Storp. Her family owned the cabin next door, and man, I just really wanted to impress her. So when one of the kids started telling a story about buried treasure at the bottom of the lake, I decided to be the boastful one and brag that I could find it. Oh no, please tell me you didn't, I groaned. Tell you I didn't try to go diving for treasure in the pitch black dark of night in a lake as a kid? <laughs> I think you can see where this is heading. So I started bragging, really thinking that the next day I could go down with my snorkel and check it out. Well, the kids all thought I meant right then and there, and started egging me on. And I used to be a real hothead, so of course I went for it. My legs were shaking as I walked down to that dark lake, all the other kids following behind me. I walked down to the dock and took one last look back at my friends, and I hesitated. Then they all started chanting, dive, dive, dive. So I did. I dove in clothes and all. Where were your parents? I exclaimed. Oh, they were at the house having a few drinks with the other parents. You know how it was pre-cell phone days. We had so much freedom. Anyway, as soon as I dove into the water, it was just inky black, very eerie. I got kind of turned around, but finally made my way up to the surface. When I looked back at my friends standing on the dock, they looked horrified. One just raised a single finger and pointed behind me. Then everyone started to scream and run back towards the house. I didn't know what the hell was going on, so I just started swimming towards the dock ladder as fast as I could. Just as I pulled myself up on the last rung, I felt something cold and slimy graze the back of my foot. I whirled around, but I didn't see a damn thing. I ran back up to the campfire, and by that time, our parents had come down from the house to find out what all the screaming was about. The kids kept screaming that there was a monster in the lake. Yikes. No thanks, I commented. Yeah, I didn't like the sound of it either. Of course, our parents just thought it was all bullshit, just kids getting scared in the dark. But my friends were insistent, so reluctantly all of the parents walked down to the dock and looked out into the water. No monster, but this is awful, but there was a body floating face down right next to the dock. Man, that really got me. Later that night, after the police had wrapped up everything, my mother turned to me and said, why are you all wet? And I told her what had happened, and man, she was just pissed and scared, and she started really laying into me. But my father, sensing that I'd suffered enough, just tousled my hair and said, he's just a little diver. And just like that, the name stuck. Diver, I'm actually speechless. That was quite the story, um, but I feel like you left out the part about who that poor dead person was in the lake, I said with a grimace. Strangest thing. I never really asked after that. 
It was pretty traumatic, actually. Still don't know, and I don't want to know either, Diver said with a sad shrug. We are very different people, Diver, I smiled. I would have had to know all the details, but I admire the way you can compartmentalize things. So you admire me, he said with a twinkle in his eye. Oh my god, I send a little compliment your way, and now it's like I blew smoke up your ass. Diver laughed so hard he couldn't breathe for a minute. Mercifully, our food arrived right after he contained himself, and his face had returned to its normal shade. We tucked into our burgers, but not before I asked, so how's work been? Oh no, you don't, Diver said, wagging a fry at me. What? You can't expect me to tell a story like that without you sharing something in return. It's basic date science. I share, then you share. One childhood or scary story is owed, he grinned. I chewed on my cheek for a second, pondering which would be worse, sharing a story from my childhood or some of the creepy stuff I'd seen over the years. Well, Copeland, pick your poison. What's it gonna be? Well, how about a bit of both? I raised my eyebrow. Diver rubbed his hands together and motioned, as if to say, bring it. His smile once again made my heart do a somersault in my chest. I can't believe I'm telling you this, I began with a shake of my head. My parents and I were pretty close at one point. You aren't anymore, Diver said with the cock of his head. No, they didn't approve of my divorce. Their religious beliefs would have me stay in a mentally abusive situation rather than being happy and single. Anyway, we were very close up until a few years ago. The four of us, my sister, me, and my parents, would take long drives into the country to visit my grandparents. Along the way, we'd stop at abandoned houses and just poke around a little. Diver raised an eyebrow, but I waved my hand. I know it sounds weird, but to us it was just normal and fun. My mother had an eye for architecture, and my father loved photography. It just worked. One day we stopped at an old barn in the middle of a field, just off a one-lane road. You could tell it had been abandoned for some time. The red paint was faded and there were several holes in the roof. It was broad daylight and the light filtered in from the ceiling making sunspots all over the dirt floor. My sister and I had walked around when my parents were taking pictures and talking, and eventually we made our way up an old ladder into the loft area. We were just screwing around up there, talking and trying to jump to touch one of the rafters, when we noticed we couldn't hear our parents anymore. Everything had gone deathly silent. No parents chatting, no birds singing, just silence. We both must have felt it at the same time, but there was a total shift in the whole vibe of the place. We looked over the loft, and I swear, we could see my parents, and their mouths were moving, but we couldn't hear anything. My sister looked at me in horror, and I knew she was experiencing the same thing. It was like we were in a bubble of silence. That was until we started to hear the screaming. I paused and took a long sip of my beer. I hadn't thought about this in years, and it still gave me the chills thinking about that day. The screaming? Diver prompted. Yes. The horses were screaming and braying so loudly it was deafening. Except the barn was completely abandoned, not a horse in sight. It honestly didn't look like anyone had stepped a foot inside the place for 50 years, but it was as if the horses were right below us, Diver, and they were terrified. We were so scared and the noise was just so loud, we just covered our ears and cowered in the corner of the loft. I opened my eyes when I felt shaking. My parents were shaking both of us by the shoulders. They looked so scared. 
My mom said she'd heard us screaming and crying, but we wouldn't answer. We told them what had happened, but we were in such hysterics, they didn't really understand at first. But when they finally understood, they got very quiet and started praying right then and there in the loft. We left quickly afterwards, and that was the last time I remember us ever going to an abandoned structure like that again. Well, Copeland, that explains a few things. Oh, I replied a little nervous. If he was going to try to psychoanalyze me on a date, that might be a deal-breaker. Gorgeous smile or not. Yeah, it explains why you're such a badass and seemingly go running headfirst into creepy-ass places. I shrugged my shoulders and threw him a smile. I mean, all of those experiences have taught me that places hold emotions for sure. And Overton? Huh. It has a lot of emotions. Surely you knew this growing up here. Oh yeah. I tried to warn you about Banfield Heights, but the next thing I know, you're working with my grandmother and cleaning over at the oak washes. Word gets around fast, huh? I said. I don't run in those circles anymore. I try to stay clear of all that stuff, Diver said more seriously. What do you mean? Growing up, I was a very sheltered kid. Never really left Oakton much. Never even wondered why that was. Until I grew up and went out on my own. Or tried to. It's like a little tug that won't let up. And that little tug, it just won't let you stray too far. I wanted to move to the Hudson Valley after college and work for a historical architect there. But that damn tug, it just kept me up every night. Finally, I just left and moved back here. Ever wonder why so many people live and die here? Feeling a little nervous with the intensity of the conversation now, I played with the hem of my napkin before saying, I just figured it was an idyllic small town life and all. Huh. Well, it doesn't hurt that this place looks like a damn Norman Rockwell painting come to life. But there's also some pretty dark stuff here, Copeland. Some people fight it, like me. Some people embrace it, like my family. And others are drawn to it like you. That's why I live right on the edge of town, try to live on my own terms without getting involved in the parties and all that society stuff. How do you like your cheeseburger? He asked the last question like he hadn't dropped a bombshell on the table. Oh, it's really good, thanks. So what exactly do you mean by tug? I asked. Have you tried to leave since you've moved here? He responded quietly. Yeah, I traveled to Boston a few months ago. And did you feel this unbelievable desire to come running right back? He said evenly. No. Thank goodness, he said, blowing out a breath. I would hate for anyone, especially you, to get mixed up in all that. But you do, I said. Yeah, I do. I mean, I can fight it, but it's not pleasant. It's like a thousand bees buzzing in your brain, demanding you come home. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. It's a theory I've had for a while, but no one has really confirmed it. Maybe it's those that were born here? But then my grandmother wasn't born here, and she couldn't even live outside of our family estate for long without returning. Well, that was because of the will and those counting people, I blurted out. Say what now? Diver's eyes became serious. She... Ooh, she didn't tell you, did she? I grimaced, realizing I'd said way too much. Copeland, do you know something? My grandmother is very important to me, Diver said with pleading eyes. 
Diver, that's my fault. I shouldn't have said anything, she told me in confidence. And she's a grown woman. Just go ask her. But it's not like anything you're describing, if that's any help, I said firmly. I respect that. I'll ask her tomorrow. Now, this isn't very good date conversation. Let's drop all of this creepy weird stuff and get to the serious questions. Do you consider a hot dog a sandwich? Absolutely not. That's as bad as thinking a taco is a sandwich. Is that even a question? I asked. Fair enough. Once we finish up, want to take a stroll through the town park? I'd love to take a walk, but maybe not the park. How about a downtown stroll, I replied, thinking of Dakota's creepy recording of a hooded figure in the park. Sounds perfect. Diver paid the bill and held out his hand for me. We walked for over an hour hand in hand through Oakton's quaint downtown area, just chatting and getting to know one another. Despite our exchange of spooky stories early on, it was really a lovely first date. We parted ways and I made my way back to my apartment with a smile on my face. I couldn't remember a time lately when I'd felt so giddy. As I closed the door in my apartment, I rested my back on it and sighed heavily. A knock sounded on my door. I smiled knowingly. Dakota clearly couldn't wait until tomorrow to hear all of the details. I opened the door and sucked in a breath. A short, older man in a butler's uniform stood stiffly at my door. His hands were tucked neatly behind his back, and he tipped his head slightly forward after making eye contact with me. Miss Copeland Bell, I present you with an invitation to the Oakton Masquerade Party. He handed me a large cream-colored envelope before turning abruptly and walking towards the parking lot. You got one, too. A voice sounded to my left. Dakota stood there, a large envelope in hand, with an excited look on her face. We get to be fancy, Copeland, she said as she danced through my open apartment door. Yes, but who on earth would invite us to such a thing, I wondered. Come on, Copeland, I want to hear about your date, and don't skimp on the details, I want to know everything, she said as I closed the door and set the envelope down on the table. Thank you for listening to this mini-episode of Polish and Scream. Polish and Scream is created by M. Dawson with support from Becca Rhodes. If you enjoy listening to Polish and Scream, please consider giving us a good review. It really does help get the word out there about us. And if you'd like to get in touch, please shoot us an email at polishandscreampodcast at gmail.com. 